This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to have a very special guest. We're joined today by Dr. Bio Curry Winchell, or Dr. BCW, as she's better known as. And, and Dr. BCW talks a lot about why Black people, why minorities don't necessarily trust the healthcare system, what could be done about it. She's got a famous TED Talk on the subject. Dr. BCW, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you and your career? Yes, I can. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, I am a board-certified family medicine physician who also practices urgent care medicine as well. And so I've had a very non-traditional journey into healthcare, and I like to share how that journey kind of led me to what I am now. So originally, I thought I wanted to go into psychology and, and really um, you know, find my path through healthcare in that realm. But I found this just real love of wanting to to, you know, take care of patients in all aspects. And so um, I decided originally first to become a PA, which a lot of people are not, are very surprised about. And so went to graduate school, became a physician assistant, worked in all areas of healthcare. And then I just, again, had that calling of wanting to do more. And um, so I left my job as a PA and then I went to medical school and then um, residency here at UNR, uh, University of Nevada, Reno family medicine. And through that, um, I found really the opportunity to deliver healthcare, which I like to call beyond clinical walls. I found myself, Scott, really thinking about as I had my journey as a PA and even through med school and residency, always asking why, why were things happening, especially if it just didn't seem correct or just. And so through that, my passion for reducing health inequities and disparities and finding ways to really highlight, you know, things that are really impacting people of color really just came to fruition um, through through this journey. And it's been just a love. And so through that, I'm a practicing physician. I always love to start with that because I think that is an important element um, the fact that I'm in the trenches seeing patients, which I love, and also a medical director of a couple of hospital systems as well. And I also um, subspecialize as a child abuse and sexual assault um, medical director through the county. And so through all of that, it's just been a wonderful um, opportunity to deliver care through different mediums. And that I think um, really encompasses who I am and what I do. I, I believe you can deliver healthcare, whether it's acute, chronic, or preventative. There's so many different ways beyond the traditional walls of you know, seeing a patient in the clinic. And so I have been fortunate to uh, deliver that care through the clinic, through national TV segments, and then also through writing and in person. So um, I'm just grateful to be a part of healthcare and find ways to, as I always like to call it, move that needle and see what we can do to push healthcare um, above and beyond. Thank you so much. And what a fascinating career. Talk to us about really two things very quickly. How many PAs ultimately go back to med school? And then how different is the job of a PA from a medical doctor? Because there's always this discussion of how do we fill the gap in healthcare through PAs? Talk a little bit about that because you're in a unique position to understand 
how we can fill some of that gap through PAs and can't, but how many PAs actually go back and become doctors? Can you talk about that a little bit? And you don't have to give me exact stats, but anecdotally, how much do you see that? Yes. Well, first, I'd like to say the PA profession is a wonderful profession, and we are so fortunate to have them a part of our healthcare systems because they really do help provide care in so many different ways. And so it's very rare, um, you know, when you go towards uh, when you um, become a PA, the goal is to become a PA. It's never a stepping stool. And I always want to highlight that for in my case, um, and this is just personally, I just found myself wanting to become a physician and not that, you know, one is different in the other as far as um, uh, desire to help. But for me, I just knew I wanted to have more of that education, more of connecting the dots. And it was a difference, you know, being a PA versus a physician, there is a difference. And, and I, I can't imagine anyone not saying there isn't, but the main goal is we're all in it for the same reason, which is to help people. And so it's been really phenomenal to be able to understand both sides of the coin um, and really take note of how we all help, you know, within the healthcare system. I was even a CNA uh, beforehand. And I think, you know, when you think of that as a certified nurse assistant, then a PA and a physician, I've really been able to take note of how all of us really help each other to, you know, have the ultimate goal, which is deliver high quality patient care. And, and take a moment then on, on the sort of this, this next question of talking about people of color and their trust in the healthcare system, you've got this bird's eye view of everything from just multiple different roles and touching people closely as a PA and now as, an, as, a, as a doctor and, 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 and touching that in different roles, medical directors at different hospitals, direct practice, helping with people with social and psychological issues. Talk a little bit about people of color and how their trust for the system is, is challenging and so forth. So, you know, it, it's, we know that there was a historical mistrust in communities of color. And as new things evolved, especially when you think of the pandemic, it really illuminated that mistrust that was already present. And so we have to really take a step back and acknowledge why that mistrust is there. And so I often share with my medical students and my residents, you know, when you take the time to just hear and listen, but also learn where that mistrust comes from, you have the opportunity to make headway and build trust because there are so many different things that have impacted marginalized communities, communities of color um, throughout our healthcare system. And so being aware of it and recognizing it and then taking time to say, what can I do moving forward? How can I, if I see something that is not just currently in healthcare, what can I do to find ways to correct it or find ways to stop it? And as you know, a big passion of mine, you know, in the realm of reducing health inequities and disparities is the removal of race-based medical algorithms, because that is impacting lives every single day. And it's something that we have the power to remove. And when we look at how certain groups are disproportionately 
you know, impacted at a higher rate from specific diseases and preventable diseases, right from the get-go, if there is a disadvantage based on your race that you are being treated in a different way, that is just another step or another, you know, a level of disadvantage for you to be able to get equitable care. Um, and it, it's something that we have to take note of. And as you know, that's my passion. <laughs> and that's what I share about in the TED Talk, because I truly believe the more we talk about it, the more we acknowledge it, we have the opportunity to fix it. Take a moment, Dr. BCC, and, and what can we do to fix it? How can we fix this, this sort of lack of trust that people of color have in the healthcare system? Plus, you know, it, it, so many, as you, as you mentioned, sort of race-driven data gathering and so forth that sometimes could be for the right reason but have awful results. Talk about how do we deal with this, this making sure there is better health equity and better trust and we take care of everybody better. How do we, how do we improve this? I really think if you start from just a definition piece where a lot of people are just unaware, and I always like to share, it's not about malice. It's not about necessarily everyone having ill intent. It's just, they don't know. And so I think when you start from a common area, such as a definition of race versus genetics versus ethnicity, that is an, a way for us just to start the conversation. And often people don't know that race is a social construct. It's not the same as ethnicity. And so when you start from there, and then you take a look at how we are treating healthcare today, when you talk about certain medications that are targeted towards black patients and understanding that the color of their skin is not the same as their ethnicity. And so when you look at that, you have the power to even just in your clinic, in your practice, to, to stop that type of care and treatment. The other thing that we can do, you know, when I think of organizations and different um, nonprofits, things that are people that are trying, you know, to do the right thing, you can start with the question, why do you have mistrust? Because although that, that question can be uncomfortable, when you ask it, Scott, it opens, it's a beautiful gift because now you have the answer to why someone individually or possibly globally has mistrust. And when you do that, you have an opportunity to answer it and learn about it. So that is a, a way that all of us can really lean into understanding this mistrust and finding ways to really help. And, um, you know, it's it's just a conversation and, and that can really move the needle in the right direction. Thank you. And over the course of your career, as a PA, as a physician, um, what are some of the differences you see in sort of how people of color are treated and so forth? Any sense of that? So, you know, in all spectrums of my healthcare journey, whether it's a CNA, a PA, or a physician, there is, I would have to say, 
it's not, and I always say it's not malice, it's not ill intent, but there is a um, opportunity, and I always use that word, to learn more and to see more and understand how you are impacting people of color. Through my journey, I've seen patients dismissed and they they had pain, but there was this thought, well, they didn't look like it. They, they didn't appear. Well, what is your definition of pain? And how are we the ones to make that definition? As providers, we are supposed to listen to our patients and also look at them completely, you know, full-heartedly in, in all aspects. And so that has been, you know, something that I've seen for patients of color. The other thing I've seen is in our journey of learning how to treat patients of color, our textbooks need to have what people of color look like for specific conditions. A great example, even just recent, when COVID was, um, when the pandemic started, we all heard about COVID toes and how you know these a certain um, presentation could um, look like, but you didn't see that in the mainstream of what it's supposed to look like. So as practitioners, just that tool, that opportunity, the imagery wasn't there. And so we have to really be intentional of providing diversity in our textbooks and our learnings, and also acknowledge that implicit unconscious bias does exist. And right now, unfortunately, it's impacting, you know, black lives every day. And then we also just have systems like the GFR that I mentioned in my TEDx talk. There is no reason that we should have a, a distinction between Black versus non-Black when anatomically Black kidneys and non-Black kidneys are exactly the same. And this is impacting, like I said, you know, lives, Black lives every single day. Dr. BCW, what a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. I mean, it's so interesting, so helpful, and we appreciate all that you do. And thank you so much for joining us on the Back to South Care podcast. And, and quite frankly, can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. BCW. Oh, thank you, Scott. I am excited to come back and talk more about this important topic. So um, I look forward to it.